you know something? I really, 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 really hope that karma does uh, is a thing because, boy, sometime in the future, you're going to have a sucky internet connection. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. I am Rob Fiorandino, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Carney. Hello, Carney. Hello. And Dave. Hello, Dave. Good day to all. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, I surprised you with a question, huh? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm debating whether to give you an honest answer. <laughs> well, I'm much more amused now than I was three minutes and 13 seconds ago. <laughs> Excellent. Well, tonight we've got some follow-up on the uh, on uh, last time's uh, show on the uh, New Horizons camera that uh, we've been looking at some interesting images, and, and Dave was kind of wondering what the camera was like. I thought it might be fun to compare the camera on the uh, New Horizons to the iPhone camera, the most popular camera in the world, and... Uh, this is called the Lori camera, the long range reconnaissance imager, obviously done by uh, government workers uh, deeply in love with acronyms. And it's uh, so let's go let's go through some of the stats, Dave, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll see if this answers some of your questions. So the iPhone has a two millimeter rough. These are all rough numbers Has a two millimeter aperture size. And that's the hole where the light comes into the camera and compared to the lorry which is actually a telescope but it has an eight inch aperture size so so 20 centimeters or 200 millimeters right exactly so it's yeah roughly a hundred times bigger uh piece of glass that the that is collecting light as it comes in so as you can tell it's you know already we're saying okay we're really gathering a lot more light ten thousand times as much and then, okay, let's talk. Okay, so what happens after the light comes into the camera and it goes through that lens and then it hits a sensor? So how big, let's talk about how big the sensors are because that also kind of matters. Um, well, the sen- there, the, here they actually are pretty comparable. The iPhone sensor has a one-third, roughly one-third inch uh, sensor. And the Lori camera has a little bit bigger sensor. Uh, and, and that's a half-inch sensor. Now, the interesting thing is the pixel dimensions. For that one-third inch sensor, the iPhone has a 4,000 by 3,000 pixels. So each pixel is very small. You got 4,000 pixels across that one-third inch. On the Lori camera, you've got, it's a 1024 by 1024 pixels across. So the so the the sense they're not really pixels there the images end up in pixels the 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 sensor has you know the the little sensor I can't remember do you know Carney do you know what they're called the little I did until you asked me <laughs> uh, the CCD is is the type of of sensor yeah it's a charged coupled device. photo relay I think um, is one word for that type okay. of sensor anyway so those are bigger though so so you've got 1024 across a half an inch so and i didn't do all the math on this but but basically each each little light sensor for each pixel um is is bigger on the lori camera so you've got quite a bigger, a bigger aperture quite a bit bigger right and and so and another thing then too the iphone camera is shooting in color 
Well, the Lori camera is purely black and white, and that's important because black and white sensors um, are are much more sensitive. Now, the sensors that are actually in the Lori camera are like super sensitive. Yeah, they'd have to be the best. Exactly, the best you could could build. When did it launch? That was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, that sounds right. They were basically the best you could get ten years ago. And the iPhone is the cheapest you can get, <laughs> made by Sony today. <laughs> so, so that's kind of I don't know if that, I don't know if that helps you or not, um, but that's kind of the difference between the two different cameras. Okay, I thought that it also had something to do with l- light sensitivity. That the um, what I was reading is I thought that it's like picks up much lower energy photons than a standard camera. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about. The, the it was like the best you could possibly was like the best scientists could make ten years ago, which is really light sensitive. Whereas the ones that are in the iPhone are kind of like the cheapest ones you can get, and they're not like really they're not that sensitive to light. Well, would it be? I'm I'm not much of a photographer, so bear with me. But wouldn't it be a bad thing to have a super sensitive camera in an iphone i mean you know where you're taking pictures of your cat and the whole thing's washed out because it's overly sensitive it's it's always kind of it's in a lot in photography and in a lot of things it's always it's kind of a compromise so you want to have something that has a good in photography it's called a dynamic range you're always kind of optimizing the camera for the situation where you think it is most likely to be used in so this you know, the Lori camera is going to be optimized for very dark um, and, and basically turned all the way, turned the gain all the way up. Um, I mean, I think I sort of knew that it was a super sensitive light collecting thing, but the comparison is useful. Yeah. And, and then so when you see these big pictures, like that's actually created from a bunch of images stitched together. Go to the Wikipedia page, which there'll be a, sh- a, a link, I believe, um, I'll put the to the long range reconnaissance imager. Um, it's got a a bunch of nice um, images that were created by by the Lori camera, including the ones that we were talking about last week of Thule. Yes, which we will be continuing to receive for the next two years. Yeah. So that that little that little one that we're looking at that's kind of that was um, the image that was the longest image. It broke the record for image taken at the greatest distance from Earth. Well, pretty much, I think every image it's taking breaks that record currently. <laughs> right. <laughs> every time it snaps a picture, it sets a new record. <laughs> so there's our follow-up for the uh, for the New Horizons camera. Did that answer your questions, Dave? Uh, yes. I mean, it gave me more context, and I had zero, so... Um. <laughs> So you're infinitely more informed now. Not, not to uh, you know, diminish what you just did. It's I was at zero, and now I'm greater than zero. So I appreciate that. All right. So Carney's got some more follow up for us here uh, about your uh, your your delightful super bright light bulbs. What do you, what do you have to say, Carney? Yes. Um, I was trying to order some more, and the people we bought them from were out. So I went hunting for the manufacturer. And what I'm getting out of it is apparently they're very, very popular and they're completely sold out currently. I'm, I think it, I'm not sure if it's got something to do with the, the trade squabble because they are manufactured in China. They finally tracked down and found their web page and God run that through a translator sometime. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it gets a lot of really good reviews and 
they're hard to get currently. So if you're in the the market, the um, Xiaomi Primos is a 21A form factor, and it puts out 2,650 lumens, I believe. So and they got them in various wow. temperatures, you know, from 2,700K up to 5,000, um, which is the kind I've got. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to... You have the... You have the Daylight 5000? Yes, yes. I just found it interesting that this bulb that I was so happy with is apparently getting being run <laughs> currently. I think the problem is that 200 equivalent bulbs are hard to get. For people like me who want a lot of light, you know, having 5,060 watts just doesn't do it. <laughs> well, and that capability to produce that much light for such a cheap cost is quite new and you know i mean that's a i wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of good industrial uses for that as well that's very true i could see it as for you know warehouse lighting and stuff like that because it would you know make visibility better yeah or school gymnasiums or who knows what yeah anyway that's it i just wanted to mention that i'd gone hunting for them and they're sold out and i'm very sad and you know (laughs) if people are hunting for them that's why you can't find them (laughs) If uh, if anybody knows some good places to find some of these super bright light bulbs, please write to us at uh, dedicatednerds at gmail dot com, and we'll pass that along to Carney so he can be happy again. Well, one one quick question on the light bulb: Are they intended to be dimmable? Yes, the, the ones I bought, though I not putting them in dimmable sockets, are intended to be dimmable. That could be very handy. Yeah, because most of the time I walk around in the dark or just one notch up. But every once in a while, it's nice to have light, so I, I don't want to have to have two sets of bulbs. Oh, okay. Do you mean metaphorically or literally? Uh, li- literally. That sounds sounds like a safety hazard. <laughs> and how long have you known Dave? <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, some, uh, we've got a lot of topics. I don't think we're going to get to them all tonight. So um, since we spent so much time on the, uh, the, the lorry camera... Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the polar vortex, and uh, uh, mainly because I had some pipes freeze on me last night. Oh, just, <laughs> I was just kind of, which is which is I'm laughing now because it's kind of you know we fixed it and we had a little bit of melting, but it was minus minus twenty seven actual degrees here yesterday in Minneapolis, and uh, uh, I think the wind chill is meaningless. Oh, I'm sorry. In the negative sixties. <laughs> it was yes it's a meaningless thank you thank you for your editorial comment you're more than welcome <laughs> however i was i was standing outside in your editorial comment last night and it was damn cold <laughs> but uh i found it really interesting there's a lot of uh you know i of course the first thing i do when the pipes freeze i'm like i google what to do when your pipes freeze and uh turn off the water so they don't burst you know uh, blow a fan on it. Uh, if you got a space heater, you know, heat it up and uh, try to cool it from the from the top down so that you don't blow a pipe and all that good stuff. One of the things I saw that I didn't even know existed was electric pipe warmers. Oh yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> which are awesome. Have you guys have you guys heard of these? I've heard of them. I obviously, given where I live, this is not a thing. <laughs> No, right. Well, no, that's no, that's probably not. Well, okay, maybe Atlanta, but in Dallas, the Dallas area, they are a thing because nobody builds anything with in the intent of dealing with freezing. So when a freezing event happens, it's a big deal. 
So, oh. you know, the way that you address that in some way, you know, for some people is to have this uh, tape or whatever in place, ready to go for those three days a year that it gets below 32. Huh. Okay. Yeah, this device. So this is a really interesting device. You could probably you could Google it if you want. But uh, it's it's just basically like a, a heating element inside what looks like a, a rubber casing. And you just kind of run it along the length of the pipe and you tape it to the pipe then. And then it's on, on one end by the by the, the plug-in, it's got a, a little thermostat that touches the pipe. So it only kicks on when it's, I guess, when it gets really cold. <laughs> So was, anyway, just a little thing. I was really fascinated by that, and uh, there's really nothing that technology can't uh, has, hasn't at least tried to address. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, you, you were about to say that technology hasn't solved, and I was about to take exception to that. Well, that's <laughs> I've been hit in the face enough times. I don't need to stick my head up to get hit again. <laughs> Yeah, well, the freezing pipes thing is definitely you know, something that, I mean, nobody around here thinks about. I think Carney and I were talking about this a while back where they put signs out, drip, you know, run your faucet slowly overnight because it's going to yeah. be so cold. And that's their solution rather than insulation. Well, it is a solution when it happens one day a year. Not a good solution, but it is a solution. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, contrasted with, you know, Rob's house, which um, I don't know where, where were the were the pipes anywhere near so the pipes were right the, the, they're kind of along the north wall ah. and they they kind of go up near the wall within a couple inches of the wall um right underneath the kitchen sink and they're insulated and the house is insulated but the part that froze is is right by a, one of the basement windows that is not particularly well insulated so it's and it's and, it, and i've lived in this house for 23 years um, and it hasn't froze uh, ever that I that I know of um, while I've been living here. But it but also the the temperatures that we got yesterday were the lowest in 26 years. So it, it's possible that 26 years ago the pipes froze. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I bought some new I bought some new insulation at Home Depot, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up real good, and hopefully that'll kind of prevent this from happening too much more in the future. Yeah, well, you kind of know your general set point. And, I mean, another solution would probably be just to uh, open up the heater vent in the basement on days when it's below negative 20. Right, right. And I also was talking to a construction guy today, and he was saying that even if you've got any kind of air moving down in the basement or area, it doesn't even have to be like hot air. You can just, you know, just turn on a fan, a box fan or something like that, and just kind of get right, you know, just because whatever air is in the basement is probably, you know, 50 or 60 degrees. So it's, uh, you know, it's still a lot warmer than the... Even if it's 37 degrees, that's still an improvement over frozen pipe. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. No, I would I would agree with that, yeah, the moving air, because standing still air does get cold. And if you just move it the slightest bit, then it has to cool a whole new chunk of air. Yeah. You- on the polar vortex thing, anybody who knows anything about Atlanta will be amused by the when that wave of temperature head this way, there was some possibility of there being freeze and snow in Atlanta. So, of course, mm-hmm. every all the schools were shut down, the workers were sent home and all that. And when the first five f- snowflakes came down out of the sky, everybody bailed out of their office buildings and headed home. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> there's no there's no snow removal uh, technology in place in Atlanta, right? Well, there is, but that wouldn't matter. This is uh, 2014 traumatized Atlanta to such a degree now that if you sprinkle some white stuff near any Atlantean, their reaction is to scream and run for the nearest salt bucket. <laughs> Which was actually 2014 was another big polar polar vortex. Yes, that's the one where thousands of people spent the night in their cars on the interstate in Atlanta because there was an inch of snow. <laughs> oh, that sounds so funny to me from being from Minneapolis. But you know, I guess if you don't really have any way of dealing with it, it's kind of it's, it's no, no. I'm I'm telling you that the, the problems. This had nothing to do with oh well, we don't have snowplows. Didn't need snowplows. What we needed were people that had the ability to react to stuff on a level other than the visceral hamster. You know, it's like my my my, my environment has changed. I must go mad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how how do do things completely close down in Dallas, Dave? On days like uh if you ever get any ice or snow? Uh, it, I don't I don't see quite as a severe reaction around here as uh, what Carney's describing where he's at. Probably because you occasionally have for a- is, is that because it's different, or is it because Carney's just a very dramatic person? <laughs> well, without having lived in Atlanta for long enough to uh See, I can only guess, and I'll I'll let the listener speculate. Um, Look it up, Atlanta 2014 snow apocalypse. It'll be on the internet. Oh, I you, I, I distinctly remember you talking about it at length uh, through 2014 and 15. Because I'm trapped in a city full of crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, the 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 problem around here is. Snow removal is a bit of an issue because I think uh, we have raised reflectors. So if you push a snowplow around, you start knocking off infrastructure. Wait, what, what do you mean by raised reflectors on the front of a snowplow? You mean or no? Instead, oh, of, the, oh, on the, on the, explain to me the raised reflector because I think I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, so instead of sure. the paint on the concrete being the only thing that has shiny reflective nature to it, we actually have raised things about twice the size of a hockey puck, glued to the concrete in between lanes and you know so on so if you start using a snowplow you're you're just you're stripping off all that stuff they're awfully hard to remove i will tell you from personal experience from as a teenager (laughs) were you driving a snowplow when you're trying to remove them I was going to say, I have a hard time believing you were believing you were driving a... No, I was using a chisel and a hammer, actually, because I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has expired on that activity. I, I think if you were driving a 10,000-pound snowplow, you might have had a little better luck. Well, and, and even if they're... Let's say that they don't move. Well, that means you got another problem. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. You have to replace a very expensive plow blade. <laughs> Actually, what I would expect to happen is the road to come up with the reflector rather than the reflector come off the road. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, the, the fact that they're there makes plowing uh, a thing that they just, in general, don't do. Sure. Um, and there's been more salting since I got down here 20 years ago. Um, but the number of days when I legitimately could say all right i'm not going to drive in because it's too bad i think in 20 years it's probably been like seven days so oh so your weather's much worse than atlanta then the only reason i've ever had for not driving in were the other people on the road 
Oh no, that's that's <laughs> on six days. That was the other people on the road because, um, yeah, I. It doesn't matter how well you drive if you're in a bunch of bumper cars. So, I think they should. Have, I think cars should be bumper cars. Really, we shouldn't be allowed to go more than five miles an hour either. And then we could, but then it'd be perfectly okay to just ram into each other. Oh, then you'd make it as a bus driver here. <laughs> Do they train your bus drivers in uh, New York City? You got it. You got to look at there's that. That's something else you'll find on YouTube is an Atlanta Marta bus uh, decides that having watched 15 cars go sliding down an on ramp onto Georgia 400, that his bus is going to do better. And he guns it as soon as he sees an opening and gets on the ramp. And watching it's like watching Swan Lake with buses as it goes pirouetting down the <laughs> ramp into the middle of the traffic flow. Are you okay there, Rob? I don't know. I don't know if I'm okay or not. Uh, at least I've, at least I'll die happy. <laughs> you just have no idea how aggravated I am oh with the city whenever I Well, Carney, all you got to do is go to the store, pick up some bread and some eggs, and then oh yes, the hurricane home. panic response, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's all you need to do. You can do it in the middle of the day. Beat everybody to it, and then you just go watch TV and enjoy. <laughs> Here, I've got a better idea. Since I don't allow us to get to the point where we're going to starve if we don't go shopping today, I'll just eat what I would normally eat and wait for Darwin to take its course and go to the grocery store, you know, two hours later when the ice melts. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that that would probably be a reasonable topic for us to go over because it, it's always struck me as completely crazy that the supermarket empties. I mean, I think Carney and I have had this discussion at some length, and the only thing I can think of is that way more people rely on eating out than I'm aware of. The, the, I, and I remember this discussion, yeah, and I'm going to stand by my that people are just playing crazy. I think they buy 50 loaves of bread and then end up with 49 loaves of stale bread that they put out for the birds or something. I mean. <laughs> All right. This is going to make a great topic when, when we get to that. Gather your stories. We'll, we'll, we'll try to hit this next week. <laughs> um, have, you, have, you guys seen, have you guys seen the movie First Man? I have not. It's on my. It's on my. It's no, on my. Neither have I. Yeah, it's actually on my short list um, because it's a like a really low price rental from Redbox. So, okay, but I have not yet seen it. All right. Well, I highly recommend it as a uh, as a fan of uh, of the Apollo missions and uh, and of and of film at the same time. It's. I think it was quite good. No, good. Good to know. I was. One, I mean, it came up as one of the three or four options that we could uh, rent for a really nice, easy price. You know, I mean, low price. And you know, my wife looked at it and said, "Eh, I don't know." And I, I, I was more interested. But you know, and then it has like this thing saying award-winning show, and that always usually is a bad sign to me. So, no, it's really, it was, it's really well, do- it's really well done. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of. Uh, you know, you could almost call it uh, Apollo 11 uh, to go with Apollo 13. It's a little more personal story about Neil Armstrong and his family. And uh, Buzz Aldrin really comes across like a real, a- the, the true asshole that he is. So uh, 
um, it was kind of nice because I've always seen everybody just worshiping Buzz Aldrin, and he's really not the most personable guy, from what I understand. Not not ever having met him, I guess. But oh, yeah, you got to figure that to be an astronaut, you've got to be a little bit of a control freak. Well, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy. So so when you guys have you guys both see that, we'll uh, we'll do a spoiler slot and uh, we'll talk about the movie because I thought it was I thought uh-huh. it was good, and I'd love to talk about it with you guys. All right. Well, that's probably it for all of our main uh, main topics and uh, follow up. So we're gonna talk. We're gonna move on to what's been good this fortnight. Uh, we kind of already hit that with First Man. I thought First Man was very good. But uh, what do you guys got, Dave? What do you have for what's been good this fortnight? I think that what uh, Carney is about to say is really awesome. All right. What am I about to say? Just, you know, for reference purposes here. (laughs) What Dave is doing is called bullshitting. (laughs) Nothing has changed. I have, uh, this is just not a topic that uh, works with my brain. (laughs) Well, I've I've said many times, you can also do what has not been good this fortnight. If you have something to disrecommend as well. Yeah, no. I, if if I had that, I put it out there too. I, it's just been such a steady, boring, easy two weeks since we last gathered that I, I got nothing. All right. Well, we'll go with you're still alive, and that's been that's good. Usually. Well, yeah, maybe that's up for grabs too. <laughs> Carney, how about you? What's been good for you this this week? You know, I hate to do this, but I think I'm going to pull uh, Dave here. Um, oh, my God. You guys are the worst. Uh, sorry. I, Come on. <laughs> 14 days, nothing has been good in your lives. Well, nothing's been bad either. You know, it's just sort of like, <laughs> you know, my pipes didn't freeze. That's good. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> Fine. I'll do, in the interest of our audience, I'll do two then. First Man, the movie. The second one, I would say, is Ferrite Recording Studio, which is the software that I use to edit our podcasts. And I think I may have even talked about it on this show before. But gosh, it's really good. Um, I've actually had been doing some beta testing on it, and I've been going back and forth with the developer a little bit, who's a really uh, a cool guy. And uh, this is a great product. So if you're into into podcasts, if you're into making podcasts or doing any kind of audio editing, uh, Ferrite Recording Studio for the iPad um, is really fun. And it's really fun to use it with the with the the Apple Pencil too, because it just it makes the makes the editing just delightful. So anyway, there you go. All right, you you have talked about using the uh, Apple Pencil, but not the software that you were using. So good to know. All right, well that's been our show for today. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We sure appreciate your time, and uh, hope you've had a little fun listening to us uh, yammer back and forth. If you want to contact us, we are at Dedicated Nerds on Twitter. Also, dedicatednerds at gmail.com, or just visit us at dedicatednerds.net, where you can also listen to back episodes of the podcast. Thanks, Dave. Well, thank you very much. It's been entertaining, and I want to let everybody know that the next person who uh, likes our Twitter account will double the number of our followers. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Carney. Oh, you're more than welcome. You want any more sarcasm that's completely free and I have a steady supply. (laughs) Good night to both of you.